Chapter Thirteen of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, a meeting in the wilderness. Beverly set out on his midwinter journey to Kaskaskia with a tempest in his heart, and it was perhaps the storm's energy that gave him the courage to face undaunted and undoubting what his experience must have told him lay in his path. He was young and strong; that meant a great deal he had taken the desperate chances of indian warfare many times before this and the danger counted as nothing save that it offered the possibility of preventing him from doing the one thing in life he now cared to do what meant suffering to him if he could but rescue alice and what were life should he fail to rescue her the old old song hummed in his heart every phrase of it distinct above the tumult of the storm could cold and hunger swollen streams ravenous wild beasts and scalp-hunting savages baffle him no there is no barrier that can hinder love he said this over and over to himself after his rencounter with the four indian scouts on the wabash he repeated it with every heartbeat until he fell in with some friendly red men who took him to their camp where to his great surprise he met m roussillon it was his song when he again strode off toward the west on his lonely way we need not follow him step by step the monotony of the woods and prairies the cold rains alternating with northerly winds and blinding snow the constant watchfulness necessary to guard against a meeting with hostile savages the tiresome tramping wading and swimming the hunger the broken and wretched sleep and frozen and scant wraps why detail it all there was but one beautiful thing about it the beauty of alice as she seemed to walk beside him and hover near him in his dreams he did not know that long hair and his band were fast on his track but the knowledge could not have urged him to greater haste he strained every muscle to its utmost kept every nerve to the highest tension yonder towards the west was help for alice that was all he cared for but if long hair was pursuing him with relentless greed for the reward offered by hamilton there were friendly footsteps still nearer behind him and one day at high noon while he was bending over a little fire broiling some liberal cuts of venison a finger tapped him on the shoulder he sprang up and grappled oncle jason at the same time standing near by he saw simon kenton his old-time kentucky friend the pungled features of one and the fine rugged face of the other swam as in a mist before beverly's eyes kenton was laughing quietly his strong upright form shaking to the force of his pleasure he was in the early prime of a vigorous life not handsome but strikingly attractive by reason of a certain glow in his face and a kindly flash in his deep-set eyes well well my boy he exclaimed laying his left hand on beverly's shoulder while in the other he held a long heavy rifle i'm glad to see ye glad to see ye thought we was injuns eh said oncle jason and if we had a been we'd a been sure on your scalp the wizened old creole cackled gleefully and where are ye goin demanded kenton you're making what lacks a heap o bein a bee-line for some place or other beverly was dazed and vacant-minded things seemed wavering and dim he pushed the two men from him and gazed at them without speaking their presence and voices did not convince him your meat's a burnin said oncle jason stooping to turn it on the smouldering coals ye must be hungry cookin enough for a regiment kenton shook beverly with rough familiarity as if to rouse his faculties what's the matter 
fitz my lad don't ye know sir kenton it's not so long since we were like brothers and now ye don't speak to me ye've not forgotten me fitz maybe he don't like ye as well as ye thought he did drawled oncle jason i have known no fellers a bein mistaken just that way beverly got his wits together as best he could taking in the situation by such degrees as seemed at the time unduly slow but which were really mere momentary falterings why kenton jason he presently exclaimed a cordial gladness blending with his surprise how did you get here where did you come from he looked from one to the other back and forth with a wondering smile breaking over his bronzed and determined face we've been hot on yer trail for thirty hours said kenton roussillon put us on it back yonder but what are ye up to where are ye goin i'm going to clark at kaskaskia to bring him yonder he waved his hand eastward i am going to take vincennes and kill hamilton well ye're taking a mighty queer course my boy if ye ever expect to find kaskaskia ye're already twenty miles too far south carrion is gone on the same shoulder all the time said oncle jason has made him kind of swing in a curve like tain't good luck nohow to carry your gun on your left shoulder when you do it makes yer take a longer step with yer right foot than ye do with yer left and ye can't walk a straight line to save yer liver ventre bleu la venaison brûle encore look at that dastard meat burnin again he jumped back to the fire to turn the scorching cuts beverly wrung kenton's hand and looked into his eyes as a man does when an old friend comes suddenly out of the past so to say and brings the freshness and comfort of a strong true soul to brace him in his hour of greatest need of all the men in the world simon kenton you were the least expected but how glad i am how thankful now i know i shall succeed we are going to capture vincennes kenton are we not we shall shan't we jason nothing nothing can prevent us can it kenton heartily returned the pressure of the young man's hand while oncle jason looked up quizzically and said we're a tolerable spectable lot to prevent but then we might get prevented i've seed better men an us purty considerable prevented lots o times in my life in speaking the colloquial dialect of the american backwoodsmen oncle jason despite years of practice among them gave to it a creole lisp and some terms of pronunciation not to be indicated by any form of spelling it added to his talk a peculiar soft drollery when he spoke french it was mostly that of the coureur de bois a patois which still lingers in out-of-the-way nooks of louisiana for my part said kenton i am with ye old boy in anything ye want to do but now you've got to tell me everything i see that ye're keeping something back what is it he glanced sidewise slyly at oncle jason beverly was frank to a fault but somehow his heart tried to keep alice all to itself he hesitated then i broke my parole with governor hamilton he said he forced me to do it i feel altogether justified i told him beforehand that i should certainly leave vincennes and go get a force to capture and kill him and i'll do it simon kenton i'll do it i see i see kenton assented but what was the row about what did he do to excite ye 
to make ye feel justified in breaking over yer parole in that high-handed way fitz i know ye too well to be fooled by ye you've got something in mind that ye don't want to tell well then don't tell it uncle chazot and i will go it blind won't we chazot blind as two moles said the old man but as for that secret he added winking both eyes at once i don't know as it's so mighty hard to guess it's always safe to imagine a woman in the case it's mostly women that sends men a trottin off bout nothin sort o crazy like beverly looked guilty and oncle jason continued they's a pooty gal at vaisen and i see the young man a-steppin into her house about fifteen times a day for i left the place maybe she's stuck up with one of them english officers gals is slippery and uncertain jason cried beverly stop that instantly or i'll wring your old neck his anger was real and he meant what he said he clenched his hands and glowered oncle jason who was still squatting by the little fire tumbled over backwards as if beverly had kicked him and there he lay on the ground with his slender legs quivering akimbo in the air while he laughed in a strained trouble that sounded like the whining of a screech owl the old scamp did not know all the facts in beverly's case nor did he even suspect what had happened but he was aware of the young man's tender feeling for alice and he did shrewdly conjecture that she was a factor in the problem the rude jest at her expense did not seem to his withered and toughened taste in the least out of the way indeed it was a delectable bit of humour from oncle jason's point of view don't get mad at the old man said kenton plucking beverly aside he's your friend from his heels to his old scalped crown let him have his fun then lowering his voice almost to a whisper he continued i was in vaisen for two days and nights spying around madame godere hid me in her house when there was need of it i know how it is with ye i got all the gossip about ye and the young lady as well as all the information about hamilton and his forces that colonel clark wants i'm going to kaskaskia but i think it quite possible that clark will be on his march to vaisen before we get there for vigo has taken him full particulars as to the fort and its garrison and i know that he's determined to capture the whole thing or die tryin beverly felt his heart swell and his blood leap strong in his veins at these words i saw ye while i was in vaisen kenton added but i never let ye see me ye were a prisoner and i had no business with ye while your parole held i felt that it was best not to tempt ye to give me aid or to let ye have knowledge of me while i was a spy i left two days before ye did and should have been at kaskaskia by this time if i hadn't run across chazon who detained me he wanted to go with me and i waited for him to repair the stock of his old gun he tinkered at it tween meals and showers for half a week at the indian village back yonder before he got it just to suit him but i tell ye he's worth waiting for any length of time and i was glad to let him have his way kenton who was still a young man in his early thirties respected beverly's reticence on the subject uppermost in his mind madame godere had told the whole story with flamboyant embellishments kenton had seen alice and inspired with the gossip and a surreptitious glimpse of her beauty he felt perfectly familiar with beverly's condition he was himself a victim of the tender passion to the extent of being an exile from his virginia home which he had left on account of dangerously wounding a rival 
but he was well touched with the backwoodsman's taste for joke and banter he and Jason, therefore knowing the main feature of beverly's predicament enjoyed making the most of their opportunity in their rude but perfectly generous and kindly way by indirection and impersonal details as regarded his feelings toward alice beverly in due time made his friends understand that his whole ambition was centred in rescuing her nor did the motive fail to enlist their sympathy to the utmost if all the world loves a lover all men having the best virile instinct will fight for a lover's cause both kenton and oncle jason were enthusiastic they wanted nothing better than an opportunity to aid in rescuing any girl who had shown so much patriotism and pluck but oncle jason was fond of alice and beverly's story affected him peculiarly on her account there's a one question i'm a-goin to put to ye young man he said after he had heard everything and they had talked it all over and i want ye to answer it straight as a bullet from your gun of course jason go ahead said beverly i shall be glad to answer but his mind was far away with the gold-haired maiden in hamilton's prison he scarcely knew what he was saying are ye expectin to marry alice roussillon the three men were at the moment eating the well-broiled venison oncle jason's puckered lips and chin were dripping with the fragrant grease and juice which also flowed down his sinewy claw-like fingers overhead in the bare tops of the scrub oaks that covered the prairie oasis the february wind sang a shrill and doleful song beverly started as if a blow had been aimed at him oncle jason's question indeed was a blow as unexpected as it was direct and powerful i know it's pretty pinted the old man added after a short pause and ye may think at i ain't got no business askin it but i have that little gal's a pet o mine and i'm a lookin after her and expectin to see at she's not bothered by nobody who's not goin to do right by her marian is a mighty good thing but what do ye know about matrimony ye old raw-headed bachelor demanded kenton who felt impelled to relieve beverly of the embarrassment of an answer ye wouldn't know a wife from a sack of meal now don't get too part and fast sigh kenton cried oncle jason glaring truculently at his friend but at the same time showing a dry smile that seemed to be hopelessly entangled in criss-cross wrinkles who told ye i was a bachelor not by a big jump i've been married mighty nine on to twenty times in my day mostly injuns of course but a squaw's a wife when ye marries her and i know how it hurts a gal to be disappointed in sich a matter that's why i put the question i did i'm not going to let no man give sorry to that little roussillon gal and so ye've got my say ye seed her raise that flag on the fourth lieutenant beverly and ye seed her take it down and git away with it you know it she deserves nothing but the best and by the holy virgin she's got to have it or i'm going to know several reasons why that's what made me put the question straight to ye young man and i expect a straight answer beverly's face paled but not with anger he grasped one of oncle jason's greasy hands and gave it such a squeeze that the old fellow grimaced painfully thank you oncle jason thank you he said with a peculiar husky burr in his voice alice will never suffer if i can help it let the subject drop now my friend until we have saved her from the hands of hamilton 
in the power of his emotion he continued to grip the old man's hand with increasing severity of pressure ventre bleu let go needn't smash a feller's fingers bout it screeched oncle jason i can't shoot worth a cent nohow and if ye cripple up my trigger finger kenton had been peeping under the low-hanging scrub-oak boughs while oncle jason was speaking these last words and now he suddenly interrupted the devil look yonder he growled out in startling tone injuns it was a sharp snap of the conversation's thread and at the same time our three friends realized that they had been careless in not keeping a better lookout they let fall the meat they had not yet finished eating and seized their guns five or six dark forms were moving toward them across a little point of the prairie that cut into the wood a quarter of a mile distant yonder's more of em said oncle jason as if not in the least concerned wagging his head in an opposite direction from which another squad was approaching that he duly appreciated the situation appeared only in the celerity with which he acted kenton at once assumed command and his companions felt his perfect fitness there was no doubt from the first as to what the indians meant but even if there had been it would have soon vanished for in less than three minutes twenty-one savages were swiftly and silently forming a circle enclosing the spot where the three white men who had covered themselves as best they could with trees waited in grim steadiness for the worst quite beyond gunshot range but near enough for oncle jason to recognize long hair as their leader the indians halted and began making signs to one another all around the line evidently they dreaded to test the marksmanship of such riflemen as they knew most bordermen to be indeed long hair had personal knowledge of what might certainly be expected from both kenton and oncle jason they were terrible when out for fight the red warriors from georgia to the great lakes had heard of them their names smacked of tragedy nor was beverly without fame among long hair's followers who had listened to the story of his fighting qualities brought to vincennes by the two survivors of the scouting party so cleverly defeated by him the liver-coloured cowards said kenton are afeard of us in a shootin' match they know that a lot of em would have to die if they should undertake an open fight with us it's some sort of a sneakin' game they are studyin' about just now i'm a-gittin most too old to shoot worth a cent said oncle jason but i'd give half o my scalp if that long hair would come close enough for me to get a head on his left eye it's tolbul plain at will gone goslin this time i'm thinkin still it'd be mighty satisfyin if i could plug out a left eye or two fore i go beverly was silent the words of his companions were heard by him but not noticed nothing interested him save the thought of escaping and making his way to clark to fail meant infinitely more than death of which he had as small fear as most brave men and to succeed meant everything that life could offer so in the unlimited selfishness of love he did not take his companions into account the three stood in a close-set clump of four or five scrub oaks at the highest point of a thinly wooded knoll that sloped down in all directions to the prairie their view was wide but in places obstructed by the trees men said kenton after a thoughtful and watchful silence the thing looks kind of squally for us i don't see much of a chance to get out of this alive but we've got to try he showed by the density of his voice and a certain grey film in his face that he felt the awful gravity of the situation but he was calm and not a muscle quivered they's just two chances for us said oncle jason and them's as slim as a boom straw 
we've got to stand here and fight it out or wait till night and sneak through atween em and run for it i don't see any hope of sneakin through the line observed kenton it's not goin to be dark to-night well uncle jason drawled nonchalantly while he took in a quid of tobacco i've been into tighter squeezes than this many a time and i got out too likely enough said kenton still reflecting while his eyes roamed around the circle of savages i fit the skunks in virginny for you's thought of sigh kenton and down in carolina in them hills if ye think i'm a-goin to be scalped where there ain't no scalp ithout tryin a few dodges you're a dad dastader fool than i'm used to think ye was and that's makin a big compliment to ye well we don't have to argue this question oncle jason they're a-gittin ready to run in upon us and we've got a fight i say beverly are ye ready for fast shootin have ye got a plenty of bullets yes rossillon gave me a hundred do you think he was interrupted by a yell that leaped from savage mouth to mouth all around the circle and then the charge began steady now growled kenton let's not be in a hurry wait till they come nigh enough to hit em before we shoot the time was short for the indians came on at almost race-horse speed oncle jason fired first the long keen crack of his small-bore rifle splitting the air with a suggestion of vicious energy and a lithe young warrior who was outstripping all his fellows leaped high and fell paralyzed can't shoot worth a cent muttered the old man deftly beginning to reload his gun the while but i just happened to hit that buck he'll never git my scalp that's sartin and sure beverly and kenton each likewise dropped an indian but the shocks did not even check the rush longhair had planned to capture his prey not kill it every savage had his orders to take the white men alive hamilton's larger reward depended on this right on they came as fast as their nimble legs could carry them yelling like demons and they reached the grove before the three white men could reload their guns then every warrior took cover behind a tree and began scrambling forward from bowl to bowl thus approaching rapidly without much exposure our tatters is roasted brown muttered oncle jason he crossed himself possibly he prayed but he was priming his old gun the next instant kenton fired again making a hurried and ineffectual attempt to stop the nearest warrior who saved himself by quickly skipping behind a tree beverly's gun snapped the flint failing to make fire but oncle jason bored a little hole through the head of the indian nearest him and then the final rush was made from every direction a struggle ensued which for desperate energy has probably never been surpassed like three lions at bay the white men met the shock and lion-like they fought in the midst of seventeen stalwart and determined savages don't kill them take them alive throw them down and hold them was longhair's order loudly shouted in the tongue of his tribe both kenton and jason understood every word and knew the significance of such a command from the leader it naturally came into kenton's mind that hamilton had been informed of his visit to vincennes and had offered a reward for his capture this being true death as a spy would be the certain result if he were taken back he might as well die now as for beverly he thought only of alice yonder as he had left her a prisoner in hamilton's hands oncle jason if he thought at all probably considered nothing but present escape 
though he prayed audibly to the blessed virgin even while he lay helpless upon the ground pinned down by the weight of an enormous indian he could not move any part of himself save his lips and these mechanically put forth the wheezing supplication beverly and kenton being young and powerful were not so easily mastered for a while indeed they appeared to be more than holding their own they time and time again scattered the entire crowd by the violence of their muscular efforts and after it had finally closed in upon them in a solid body they swayed and swung it back and forth and round and round until the writhing savage mass looked as if caught in the vortex of a whirlwind but such tremendous exertion could not last long eight to one made too great a difference between the contending parties and the only possible conclusion of the struggle soon came seized upon by desperate clinging wolf-like assailants the white men felt their arms legs and bodies weighted down and their strength fast going kenton fell next after oncle jason and was soon tightly bound with rawhide thongs he lay on his back panting and utterly exhausted while beverly still kept up the unequal fight longhair sprang in at the last moment to make doubly certain the securing of his most important captive he flung his long and powerful arms around beverly from behind and made a great effort to throw him upon the ground the young man feeling this fresh and vigorous clasp turned himself about to put forth one more mighty spurt of power he lifted the stalwart indian bodily and dashed him headlong against the buttressed root of a tree half a rod distant breaking the smaller bone of his left forearm and well-nigh knocking him senseless it was a fine exhibition of manly strength but there could be nothing gained by it a blow on the back of his head the next instant stretched beverly face downward and unconscious on the ground the savages turned him over and looked satisfied when they found that he was not dead they bound him with even greater care than they had shown in securing the others while longhair stood by stolidly looking on meantime supporting his broken forearm in his hand ugh dog he grunted and gave beverly a kick in the side then turning a fiendish stare upon oncle jason he proceeded to deliver against his old dry ribs three or four like contributions with resounding effect polecat little old greasy woman he snarled make good fire for a warrior to dance by kenton also received his full share of the kicks and verbal abuse after which longhair gave orders for fires to be built then he looked to his hurt arm and had the bone set and bandaged never so much as wincing the while it was soon apparent that the indians purposed to celebrate their successful enterprise with a feast they cooked a large amount of buffalo steak then each with his hands full of the savoury meat they began to dance around the fires droning meantime an atrociously repellent chant they're expecting to have a little bit of fun out on us muttered oncle jason to beverly who lay near him i understand what they're up to dad dast em more'n forty years ago in carolina they put me and jim hypes through the gantlet and after that in kentucky me and si kenton tuck the run i there si where are ye shut your fool mouth kenton growled under his breath you'll have that engine a-kickin our lights out of us again oncle jason winked at the gray sky and puckered his mouth so that it looked like a nut-gall on an old dry leaf what's the difference he demanded i'd jest as soon be kicked now as after a while it's got to come anyhow kenton made no response the thongs were torturing his arms and legs beverly was silent but consciousness had returned and with it a sense of despair 
all three of the prisoners lay face upward quite unable to move knowing full well that a terrible ordeal awaited them oncle jason's grim humour could not be quenched even by the galling agony of the thongs that buried themselves in the flesh and the anticipation of torture beside which death would seem a luxury yep long hair how's your arm he called jeeringly feels pooty good hey long hair who was not joining in the dance and song turned when he heard these taunting words and mistaking whence they came went to beverly's side and kicked him again and again oncle jason heard the loud blows and considered the incident a remarkably good joke <laughs> he snickered as soon as long hair walked away again i does the talkin and somebody else gets the thumpin <laughs> i always was devilish lucky them keeks was good solid jolts wasn't they lieutenant sounded like they was <laughs> beverly gave no heed to oncle jason's exasperating pleasantry but kenton sorely chafing under the pressure of his bonds could not refrain from making a retort in kind i'd give ye one pound in that ye'd remember emile jason if i could get to ye ye old twisted face peel-headed crooked-mouthed aggravatin scamp he exclaimed not thinking how high his naturally strong voice was lifted i can stand any fool but a damn fool longhair heard the concluding epithet and understood its meaning moreover he thought himself the target at which it was so energetically launched wherefore he promptly turned back and gave kenton a kicking that made his body resound not unlike a drum and here it was that oncle jason overreached himself he was so delighted at kenton's luck that he broke forth giggling and thereby drew against his own ribs a considerable improvement of long hair's pedal applications ventre bleu whined the old man when the indian had gone away again holy mary jerusalem there's nary bone o me left that's not splintered as fine as toothpickers s'pose you're satisfied now ain't ye si kenton ef ye ain't i'm sure to satisfy ye the first time i get a chance at ye ye blab-mouthed idiot before this conversation was ended a rain began to fall and it rapidly thickened from a desultory shower to a roaring downpour that effectually quenched not only the fires around which the savages were dancing but the enthusiasm of the dancers as well during the rest of the afternoon and all night long the fall was incessant accompanied by a cold panting wailing southwest wind beverly lay on the ground face upward the rawhide strings torturing his limbs the chill of cold water searching his bones he could see nothing but the dim strange canopy of flying rain against which the bare boughs of the scrub oaks were vaguely outlined he could hear nothing but the cry of the wind and the swash of the water which fell upon him and ran under him bubbling and gurgling as if fiendishly exultant the night dragged on through its terrible length dealing out its indescribable horrors and at last morning arrived with a stingy and uncertain gift of light slowly increasing until the dripping trees appeared forlornly grey and brown against clouds now breaking into masses that gave but little rain beverly lived through the awful trial and even had the hardihood to brighten inwardly with the first flash of sunlight that shot through a cloud crack on the eastern horizon he thought of alice as he had done all night but now the thought partook somehow of the glow yonder above old vincennes although he could only see its reflection there was a great stir among the indians 
Longhair stalked about scrutinizing the ground. Beverly saw him come nearer time and again with a hideous inquiring scowl on his face. Grunts and laconic exclamations passed from mouth to mouth, and presently the import of it all could not be mistaken. Kenton and Jason were gone, had escaped during the night, and the rain had completely obliterated their tracks. The Indians were furious. Longhair sent out picked parties of his best scouts with orders to scour the country in all directions, keeping with himself a few of the older warriors. Beverly was fed what he would eat of venison, and Longhair made him understand that he would have to suffer some terrible punishment on account of the action of his companions. Late in the day the scouts straggled back with the report that no track or sign of the fugitives had been discovered, and immediately a consultation was held most of the warriors including all of the young bucks demanded a torture entertainment as compensation for their exertions and the unexpected loss of their own prisoners for it had been agreed that beverly belonged exclusively to longhair who objected to anything which might deprive him of the great reward offered by hamilton for the prisoner if brought to him alive in the end it was agreed that beverly should be made to run the gauntlet provided that no deadly weapons were used upon him during the ordeal End of chapter 13